the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What's going on at CNN? I mean, besides their ratings going further and further down the toilet every day. In case you missed it, Jeff Zucker, the big boss, resigned today. Or is it Zucker? I never know. Is it Zucker? It's always Zucker. Penguins have a guy with the same spelling as said Zucker, I believe. Anyway, the big boss, he resigned today. Uh, not because his ratings are in the toilet, which has always fascinated me because I worked in TV a long time and always thought that when the ratings go south, that far south, especially and stay there for a long time, people go out the door, including on-air people and executives. But Jeff is leaving because he was cheating on his wife with someone in the office, another top executive, by the way, who probably knows that uh, Jeff has four kids. Uh, and he lied about all this when uh, when it came up during a discussion with Chris Cuomo's attorney. Chris is suing CNN after being fired for trying to help his brother, the governor of New York, who resigned because he was accused of sexual harassment. And there were some questions raised about how Chris treated the women at CNN before he went out the door. Two major producers had to leave because they were found to be pedophiles. And then there's Don Lemon who's been accused of sexual assault by a man he met in a gay bar. And who can forget Jeffrey Tubin? He's their legal expert, and he got caught, well, I think you know what he got caught doing in a, on a Zoom call. Let's just leave it at that. So again, what is going on at CNN, and what will it take for a total house killing? Cleaning, I should say. So if you have this stuff uh, going on and you're killing it in the ratings, you might be able to justify trying to keep plugging away, but really... Uh, when you're finishing 27th or whatever it is in cable TV ratings, would it really matter if Don Lemon and Jeffrey Tubin disappeared? Or how about Wolf Blitzer? Would anybody miss Wolf? How long's Wolf been there, by the way? And could you name any of the women who worked there if your life depended on it? What a rat's nest. Well, when we come back uh, after the break, we're going to talk to our resident professor of communications about CNN. Whoopi Goldberg also, uh, the New York Times suddenly becoming interested in Hunter Biden's emails and other stuff. In our second half hour, we're going to talk about an Article 5 convention and why you should hope there is one. Stick around. years ago, China expert Stephen Mosher warned us about the rising threat of Chinese totalitarianism. Four years later, the threat from China has grown exponentially. Yet, in spite of China's relentless violations of human rights and dignity, China is being honored as the host of the Winter Olympics. In the eye-opening, fully updated version of Steve Mosher's book, Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order, Mosher exposes China as a world-class manipulator. Mosher's book, Bully of Asia, details how in the face of Communist Party threats and a worldwide pandemic, the world continues to enable China with economic engagement. The Christian Review hails Bully of Asia as a somber warning. Breitbart News calls it compelling and a beacon of hope. And Bill Gertz says Bully of Asia is a vitally important book. Read the unvarnished truth about China you won't see during the Olympics. Get Stephen Mosher's book, Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to the World Order, available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. By now you've all heard me talk about my pillow, and now Mike has just announced that our listeners will receive one of his books, What Are the Odds, from Crack Addict to CEO, absolutely free with any purchase using your promo code. It's a great time to buy his warm and wonderful My Slippers. They're designed to wear indoor, outdoor, all day long. Made with My Pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, and made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 50% off his My Slippers. Go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener's square, and use promo code STAG. You'll also get deep discounts on all My Pillow products, including some overstock products such as individual towels, blankets, comforters, and so much more. 
From crack addict to CEO, free with any purchase. Call 800-716-8087 and use promo code STAG. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Do your pets have the same energy they used to? Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dinovite to supplement their pet's diet. We started Dinovite and in our first box, we noticed a difference. Dinovite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that helps support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. Today's commercial pet foods are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Windows are When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. With prices set to increase on all exterior products, lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate at windowsarrestpittsburgh.com. Find them at the Pittsburgh Home Show beginning February 4th and the Pittsburgh Remodeling Expo at Heinz Field beginning February 11th. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, if you're looking for an executive to run your business, Jeff Zucker is available. Until today, he was the big boss at CNN, but he resigned after, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, admitting he was fooling around with a female executive at CNN, a big exec, big time executive, by the way. That's one of the big stories in media today, and there are others. Enough of them that I felt the need to bring in our go-to guy on all things media. That would be Jeffrey McCall. He's a presser, professor of communications at DePaul University and a media critic for The Hill and FoxNews.com. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, John. Thanks for coming on. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I've always wondered, and I think we've talked about this, but I, I've always wondered how Jeff Zucker, who I want to call Zucker, but Zucker, kept his job uh, with the ratings at CNN being in the toilet for so long. But what do you make of him resigning uh, today? Uh, and the future of CNN. Any changes? Do you think they'll just slide somebody in there and business as usual? Well, my sense is probably they're going to continue on the path they've been on because they're so ideologically committed uh, to the path they've taken over the last several years that I can't imagine that they're going to veer off in any sensible direction at the moment, not to mention that the primetime talent they've got is all committed to the ideological bent, too. So if they get a new president at CNN... It'd be somebody to have to come and say, Don Lemon, we don't really need you anymore. And I have a hard time figuring that that's going to happen. But, you know, Zucker's been at CNN for nine years. He's had a long time to kind of establish their brand. And a brand can't escape what it does. And what it does is ideologically driven programming, uh, independent of the ratings, because as you indicated, their ratings have been crashing. Uh, So it's, it's an interesting time that we live in. And it's weird to think that so much news today uh, in, on the news agenda is about the news industry itself, uh, and CNN is part of that. You know, I, I've never been a huge fan of Zucker, and part of the thing is I never really felt he was a solid news guy to start with. I mean, people need to remember he was a programming executive for a long time for NBC, where he was helping schedule sitcoms and you know murder dramas and stuff like that, and then, uh, he had a long run at the Today Show where he was coaching Katie Couric about Halloween costumes and that sort of thing as well. So, you know, all of a sudden he's at CNN and supposed to be in charge of a news organization, and I think it was very hard for him to ever come in seriously and try to take on the mantle of, like, top journalist, which is what he was. And, you know, 
I think it's fi- it's also just one final thought here about that. I wonder whether he would have gotten the gate if CNN's ratings were beating Fox News at this time. Now, I mean, I know that's kind of like, you know, he was catting around with another high-ranking executive, and, and I'm sure that uh, causes lots of problems for their HR department. But if the ratings had been so solid, I'm just wondering if uh, he would have gotten the gate or maybe they could have like, hey, we'll find another way to keep this covered up. Because there are several news reports out there that indicate that this relationship uh, was not that secret over the years, that any number of people were aware that that was going on. And it just so happens that now they finally pulled the plug on Zucker. Yeah, there's uh, quite a bit of speculation out there that there's more to this story than just him fooling around with someone in the office. Um, and as you said, it's been going on for a while, and apparently people knew about it. So do you think there's something even, I know there's no way for you to know this, but just speculation, uh, anything more nefarious about this? And if there were, would CNN be talking about it? Well, I'm sure they're going to try to play their cards very close to the best. I guess my, my only inference is that I think they, they knew that the ratings were in trouble and at a certain point their revenue was starting to decline. And I think at a certain point they probably figured we're going to have to make a change and on what auspices do we do that. And, you know, if they just say, hey, Zucker's been a failure, uh, that, that, that's a whole different thing. So, I mean, this, in a sense, you know, to point out this personnel problem is perhaps a, a handy excuse to have at this time. It's interesting, by the way, uh, Jeff, that you bring up that Zucker had a non-news background uh, before he took this job. Because, as I've told you before, I worked in local TV news for a long time here in Pittsburgh. And I can go back and tell you it's probably been about 20 years now that uh, I worked for CBS. I uh, worked for the local affiliate here. But it was a CBS uh, network that was calling the shots. And they stopped. When they started hiring, it used to be that it was pretty common for a news director to become general manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happened 20 years ago or so is that they they actually stopped doing that. They not only stopped moving people from the news department to the general manager, they told all the news directors uh, that they're never going to be a general manager. We're not doing that anymore. We're hiring people from sales. And what that did was changed everything about how local news was done. I think it's probably happening at every other local station, is that you have salespeople involved. And that there used to be... In, in most cases, someone in, in the general manager's spot who used to be a news director who had a sense of what news is supposed to be and cared about whether or not you were doing a good job of delivering the news, and now you have people running local news, and this may be, Zucker may be a, an example of it happening at the, at the network level, you have non-news people calling the shots, and they're not basing the call on what's best for news, they're doing it what's best for business. Oh, you're exactly right. And th- by the way, there's nothing wrong with salespeople. Salespeople are great. But you, you can't have salespeople trying to manage journalistic organizations because journalistic organizations not only are designed to make money, obviously, but they serve a much broader purpose and they serve a bigger role for our culture and our society. I mean, there's a reason that the, the press is protected by the First Amendment. But salespeople come into that role with a much different kind of vision of how they serve the public. And that vision is you know, can we have to get enough eyeballs to watch us independent of any journalistic standards or visions? And so I'm a believer that television news organizations need people in charge of them who understand journalism and kind of the sacred profession that that used to be, rather than people who are only looking at revenue streams. Because let's face it, your average salesperson just doesn't have this, the experience or the background. And also keep in mind, particularly for local television, the news department is the number one revenue stream now. You know, local, local television stations make the wide majority of their money off of the commercials that are sold during newscasts. They make basically no money out of primetime programming. They make basically no money out of syndicated programs like Wheel of Fortune or any of those kinds of things. Any local television station that's turning a profit is doing it almost solely based on what they're doing with their news department. And to make a functioning news department, I think you need somebody who has an understanding of the role of news. And all three network uh, affiliates here in Pittsburgh, 
now uh, have four o'clock newscasts. And I started when there was a six o'clock, and all three, that's all all three had was just a six and 11. Now everybody has a four, a five, a six, a 1030 on some other station, or a 10 and 11, and it all stinks. It's, uh, it's quantity and not quality, and I, that's why their ratings are in the toilet too. But uh, I, I don't know if that's happening. Do you think that's happening at the network level as much where non-journalistic-minded uh, people are in charge of calling the shots that end up having an effect on what's covered and what isn't? Well, certainly on the boards of directors and at the highest level of the of the organizations. Now, within the news divisions, most of the time they still do have people who came out of the news side of the world and, you know, as producers or editors or something like that. Uh, but the question is that they still have, do they still have enough uh, leeway to make decisions based only on news? Because, you know, at a certain extent, once they become a news executive, they're probably more of an executive than they are a journalist. And they've got to answer to the boards of directors and the the presidents of the organizations, not just the news divisions. Now, I mentioned in the opening of the show um, before you came on that CNN has has lots of problems with Don Lemon and Jeffrey Tubin, Chris Cuomo, two pedophile producers who have gone. They're gone. But, you know, do you think the ratings would get any worse at CNN if Lemon and Tubin disappeared tomorrow? Oh, no. In fact, I think their ratings might actually go up. Because I think if those kinds of personalities, and, and, and I would say even Anderson Cooper, I would put him into that category, and maybe even Wolf Blitzer. I forgot if, about uh, Anderson, if, yeah. If those people all left, it would be kind of a signal to the viewership out there that CNN is looking to reinvent itself. And I think, and again, this is speculation, but I think it's speculation based on some evidence throughout the years. I think there would be some uh, perhaps inferenced by many of the viewers to say CNN has recognized that it's gone down a, a ravine, that their ratings have crashed, that they've become too ideological, and that in reinventing themselves and unloading some of the ideologues, that maybe they're going to start to be more serious in terms of news, more like the CNN of 30 years ago. Uh, and I think they would get a lot of people who would want to at least sample or come back and at least browse through to say, what is CNN doing now? But as long as they keep those other people in place, even if they get a new president, uh, I don't think most people are going to uh, want to sample because CNN's brand is so clearly defined by now. We're talking to Jeffrey McCall, professor of communications at DePaul University. He also works as a media critic for The Hill and FoxNews.com. So, Jeff, let me ask you a question. Uh, I don't think that MSNBC is any less um, ideological than CNN. And I think um, that, but, but their ratings—they don't—they can't beat Fox, but they have people who actually get some pretty good numbers. Is what, what is it? What is it about MSNBC? Do you think that they're able to beat CNN so easily? Actually, I think MSC, MSNBC has been more ideological and longer at it. So I think they've had a, a longer runway to get to the point where they are. And CNN, I think, probably confused a lot of its audience members because they, tr- you know, for years, CNN liked to say, oh, MSNBC leans left and Fox News leans right, but we're the real source of news. Now, nobody really believed that, but I think part of their problem was that um, they had a credibility problem with people on the left and on the right, and so they didn't have any place to go. And so I think MSNBC benefits a lot from getting viewers that I would call true believers. They're the people who are totally committed ideologically left, and that's why they love Rachel Maddow, for example. Well, then there's Whoopi Goldberg, Jeff, uh, who made an idiotic statement about the Holocaust on Monday. And last night, the word came down that she was suspended for two weeks, which uh, sounded a lot like a a two-week vacation to me. Um, Is she getting off each? First, let me just say that I don't think she should be suspended or canceled. She made an idiot of herself, and uh, if they want, I don't think she did anything that should get her fired or suspended. But uh, I, I just wonder—it sounds like a, a two-week vacation to me and a slap on the wrist. And you know, this is something we had to do to save face, and she'll be back. Oh yeah, they're just covering their backsides at the moment. And I must say, um, Whoopi's remarks were rather clumsy, as you indicated. Uh, but this is not the first time she's made really outrageous and clumsy remarks. 
Uh, she just happened to do some that got him kind of uh, in a politically charged way, and they had to try to save some face. But this is a program that has been generally uninformed for a long time. Unbelievably. And, you know, and, and when The View began, it was really just kind of a gab fest of yeah. some women chatting. And I mean, you know, it had its moments that it was kind of cute at times. But it's become much more politically driven and politically charged in recent years. Partic- of course, Trump sent them around the bend. But one thing I would like to ask your listeners to note here is that the announcement that Whoopi was being suspended came from the president of ABC News. And I bet that's one thing a lot of people don't recognize is that The View, the kind of program that it is with people sitting around running their mouths, The View is a production of ABC News. It is not part of the ABC Entertainment Division. It is a production of ABC News. And frankly, I think it should have been reclassified or relabeled years ago because it's really a disgrace to think that this is a news program because, number one, it's uninformed. Number two, it's not very fair. Uh, And number three, um, it's just not watchable at a certain point. And I mean, honestly, the ratings are okay. But again, these are people who are all of a particular stripe. The audience is not very undifferentiated. It's all pretty much people who are in lockstep. But I think it's worth noting that this is a production of of ABC News, and I think people should know that this is what the ABC News division stands for. Now, i got to ask you, too, uh, during the 2020 presidential campaign, the New York Post uh, broke a story about Hunter Biden's laptop. They were immediately kicked off of Twitter. Uh, Other outlets, including, I believe, CNN and MSNBC, either ignored the story or made fun of it. And now uh, we see that the New York Times is suing the Department of Justice because they want access to uh, Hunter Biden's emails. What do you think of that? Well, this is just quite startling. Uh, As you indicated in the campaign, uh, the, the mainstream media, or as I like to say, the establishment media, were not at all interested in this story, even though nobody ever went out and disproved it or you know, indicated that it wasn't on target and factual. And I mean, evidence of reporting since then suggests that the reporting by the New York Post stands up pretty well, okay? But at the time, it didn't serve the purposes of the New York Times because they wanted to get Trump out and they didn't want to do anything to hurt Biden. But now that we're a year into Biden's presidency, well, it's okay maybe to do some real journalism and to try to find out if there's any substance there. And, you know, I must say, I'm glad for the New York Times to be going after the Department of Justice because I think reporters should be digging into this. But I said in the fall of 2020, reporters should be digging into this, and they weren't. And I must say, you don't do journalism at a schedule that suits your political needs. You do journalism at a time when it's timely and needs to be reported if your job is to enlighten the audience and then let them make decisions. I have about a minute left here. Um, what, what does this say about, or what should this say to people about the New York Times' credibility that they would ignore this story at a time when it could have affected a presidential campaign, which is kind of what a, a media outlet is supposed to do, and then they would suddenly become interested in it now? Uh, what, uh, is it to sell newspapers? or What, what, is the, what, what would... Could, could, what could they possibly justify as a reason for um, the switch now and all of a sudden becoming interested in it now when they weren't interested, interested in it a year and a half ago? Yeah, well, we went. you go back a year and a half ago, uh, I think they were wanting to play a role in the campaign. And as you may know, uh, in polling, there were a lot of voters who indicated they had never heard of this Hunter Biden scandal at the time they voted. Right. And might well have been glad to know about that at the time they voted. So I think the New York Times was wanting to put its thumb on the scales of the election news that was coming out. Now they're perhaps getting interested because, well, number one, it's, it's obviously a news story. But I think there's also a sense in the media now that kind of like, you know, Biden's not all we thought he was going to be. Maybe he's not the greatest thing. Maybe there are different people we should be supporting. And uh, they're happy to go after him now like they should have all along. And I'm not saying we're trying to do a hit job on Biden, but I think we do need to go where the news leads us. And the, the news on this has been leading us to study and investigate Hunter Biden for a long time. Well, hey, Jeff, I'm out of time, but uh, when I saw all this stuff happening with the media, you're the first person I thought of, and I always appreciate you coming on. You have great insight into this, and uh, uh, thanks for coming on the show. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. You're welcome. Great to talk with you, John. Okay, we'll be right back.
With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes says he was shocked by what he saw during a recent trip to the southern border. Reyes was among a dozen attorneys general who got a first-hand look at the border in Texas last week. The goal, he says, was to work toward greater coordination. On interdiction of drugs, human trafficking. Reyes tells of Salem Radio Network he was shocked by the numbers. $100 million worth of human beings. That's their market value. Reyes says because of what he calls the failed open border policies of the Biden administration, every state in the country is now a border state. Bob Agner reporting. Throngs of police gathering at New York City's St. Patrick's Cathedral to pay tribute to young officer Wilbert Mora. Mora and partner Jason Rivera were gunned down while answering a call for help in Harlem. This is SRN News. Are you more than $10,000 in debt? Feel like you're on a never-ending treadmill, staying in one place and never getting ahead with those minimum payments? You feel like there is no way out? Don't let the credit card companies bully you anymore. There are programs in place to help you get free of your debt, and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. The program at Total Financial Freedom can help you get debt-free in months instead of decades. Get off the debt treadmill and stop the harassment. Get free of credit card debt, signature loans, department store cards, internet loans, and medical bills. Call now at 800-670-5450 for free information. For about 10 years, Total Financial Freedom has helped thousands. They're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, too. Get off the endless cycle without having to declare bankruptcy. You'll have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Call Total Financial now at 800-670-5450. That's 800-670-5450. Mike Gallagher says the time is now. There was a poll that came out the other day. 76% of Americans say it's time that we need to start living our lives again we got to get back to living our lives and rolling the dice we're all rolling the dice you don't want to roll the dice stay home under your bed for the rest of your life it's 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 wild it's wild the mike gallagher show weekdays at nine right before dennis prager at noon on am 1250 the answer hi this is joe belanti with jnd waterproofing at 1-800-BERRY-DRY in honor of our 81 years serving the tri-state area we are offering great savings for all our new and past customers call 1-800-BERRY-DRY that's 1-800-BERRY-DRY to get your savings on basement waterproofing bowing or cracking walls and or footer stabilization projects or visit us at jdwaterproofing.com J&D Waterproofing, family owned and operated since 1939. This is Sebastian Gorka, and I want to invite you to join me for a powerful travel opportunity that will likely become the highlight of your year. I'm headed to Israel in November 2022 for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour of the key sites and best places meant to give you an unprecedented view of a world you've likely only read or heard about. Together, we'll uncover key geopolitical insights as we unpack Israel's significance on the world stage. You'll return home empowered by the experience. If you ever dreamt of visiting Israel, this is your opportunity. Come with me in 2022. For more information, call 855-565-5519 or book online at Stand with israeltour.com 855-565-5519 or stand with israeltour.com am 1250 and fm 92.5 the answer wpgp pittsburgh a division of salem media group listen on the answer mobile app smart speakers tune in iheart or odyssey stuck in traffic we've got the answer Still seeing those heavy delays on the Parkway West. On the inbound side, delays start around 60 and down near Roslyn Farms Road. In the inbound side, that crash still blocks the right lane. That's the reason for all the backups. On the Parkway West outbound, that looks pretty much okay. Heavy delays with volume inbound Parkway East, 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Forbes Avenue, that does remain shut down with the Fern Hollow Bridge collapse between Dallas Avenue and Braddock Avenue. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Winter storm watch in effect late tonight through Friday morning. For tonight, rain, the low 38. Rain changing to ice Thursday afternoon. Until then, morning rain. 
Roads and sidewalks could turn into dangerous sheets of ice. We'll see a high of 40, but temperatures falling to the lower 30s. Friday, remaining cloudy and colder with occasional snow and flurries, accumulating a coating to an inch. Storm total snowfall 1 to 3 inches, the high 23. With the Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, how'd you like to see an Article 5 convention? Maybe you have no idea what an Article 5 convention is or why it would be a good idea to have one. Well, Mark Meckler is the president of Conventions, Convention of States Foundation and Convention of States Action, and he joins us now. Mark, thanks for being here. Oh, really good to be with you today. So um, what is an Article 5 convention, and uh, why do we need one? Well, Article 5 of the United States Constitution contains the methods whereby we can amend our Constitution. We have 27 amendments. They've all been done by the first clause of Article 5, which says Congress proposes amendments, and then the states ratify it. But today we have a problem where Congress is out of control. Washington, D.C. is out of control. The vast majority of Americans support things like a balanced budget amendment or term limits, not just on Congress, but on the deep state, federal officials like staffers and bureaucrats. Washington, D.C. will never do this. They will never limit their own power. And so we need to do that ourselves. So Article 5 gives us the power to call a convention of states. When 34 states ask for it, they can gather in convention. They can propose amendments to restrain federal power, return the power to the people in the states. And that's what the Convention of States Project is doing today. And I see today that you just added two more states. uh, And uh, I guess you are halfway to where you need to be? Yeah, we just hit the halfway mark. Uh, In the last week, we added Wisconsin and Nebraska, also not widely reported. We passed the House in the state of South Dakota, so we're on to the Senate there. I expect to see passage in West Virginia by the middle of February. Same is true right now for South Carolina. South Carolina, we have already passed the House. We're looking to pass in the Senate. We're very close there. North Carolina, we pass in the House. We're looking to pass in the Senate. And, and we've got a lot of movement right now in Pennsylvania. I'm really excited. I've I spent a bunch of time on the phone over the last couple of days with the leadership in both houses, and I expect to see us moving there very quickly. So what is the process at the state level? What has to happen, and, and how does it get started? So at the state level, what it is, it's called a resolution. So this is different than legislation because it doesn't require the governor's signature. So what has to happen is both houses, the Senate and the House, have to hear the resolution. They vote on it on a simple majority vote. If we win, we get both houses. Then Pennsylvania adds its name to the resolutions that have been filed. So um, is this this happening along party lines? Are you finding that in every state, that the Republicans are voting for this and the Democrats against? I would say that's mostly the case. Uh, We have exceptions in Ohio. One of our primary sponsors for years uh, was a Democrat. And it's really and here's why. It shouldn't be partisan because what the Convention of States is asking for is to return power to the states. It's not partisan. It doesn't contain any policy. It's saying that when we ask the question, who decides, the answer should be we, the people at home in the states, us individually, our local jurisdictions, our state legislatures, not Washington, D.C. And so what that means, in effect, is a very liberal state like California, for example, would get more power as would a very conservative state like Texas. So while it's not partisan, it is true that in most states it's more of a Republican effort than a Democrat effort. So you need 34 states to, to have the convention? Yeah, that's correct. And you're up to 17 now, right? And you're, and you're talking about, you mentioned some other states that are you think are close. So um, what would the convention look like? Where would it be? Uh, who would convene it? And who's in charge of it? So the way the convention gets convened is the Constitution says that Congress names the time and place. That's what's called a ministerial duty in legal terms. It means they're going to say in December in Washington, D.C. And I believe they're going to call it for Washington, D.C. because they're swamp creatures. Whoever, when the, when the delegates come, every state will send its own delegates. Each state gets as one vote, but they can send as many delegates as they want. They'll then elect their own officers And I believe they'll move out of Washington, D.C. They have the authority to reconvene anywhere they want. Probably will end up somewhere in the center of the country. They will then debate amendments, and those amendments will be along the lines I just described. Anything that would impose fiscal restraints, anything that would impose term limits, and anything that would impose scope and jurisdictional restraints on the federal government. In other words, saying there are certain things you cannot do. You can't be involved in education or energy or health care, all the things they were never intended to be involved in. 
So those things will be debated in convention. And when 26 states agree on something, then they will make a suggestion that the states consider that amendment. This is a really important point. Anything that comes out of convention is just a suggestion. And then it has to go out and it has to be ratified by 38 states, three quarters of states before it could become part of the Constitution. Do you think there are 38 states that would, after all that you just described, vote to ratify? Yeah, I actually think it's harder to get to 34 and get into convention than it is to ratify. And the reason that I say that is because there's a lot of people who are trying to prevent us from getting there. But once you get there, you have two-thirds of the states that have already agreed to be in convention. And everything I'm talking about has a vast majority of public support. So if convention, for example passes out a balanced budget amendment, which I expect they would, over 85% of the American public has polled in support of that for over 30 years. The same is true, for example, for term limits on Congress. Another one that's incredibly popular is forcing Congress to deal with one issue at a time. Instead of forcing legislators to vote on a bill that has good things and bad things in it, one subject at a time in a bill that has about 90 plus percent support. So they're going to pass out only things that are very mainstream what I would describe as middle-of-the-road common-sense reforms, and there's massive public support for that stuff. Well, the the things that make a lot of sense don't always come to fruition um, (laughs) because politics get in the way. You know, I think that's true, but let me give you a pushback a little and give you a current example. And uh, we do a lot of polling, and one of the things we polled on recently was the idea that members of Congress should not be trading stocks period, because they have inside information and it's unfair and it's unjust and they unjustly enrich themselves. That is about an 80% issue, 78% issue across partisan lines in the American public. And that legislation is now starting to move in the United States Congress because you have people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz in agreement on this. So when you get to the level of 75, 80% public support, these things happen across party lines. But is that something that would be in a constitutional amendment? You mean the stock trading thing? Yeah. It could be, but that, that's not. I wasn't bringing that up for that purpose. Oh, okay. I was bringing it up because I was saying that when things have 75 to 80% public support, then the politicians tend to go along with them. Oh, I see. Okay. We tend to get them so we can get things ratified. If you have something that has 55% public support, that's not going to get ratified. So uh, we're talking to Mark Meckler. He's the president of Convention of States Foundation and Convention of States Action. Um, So how many people do you have working for you on this, for your organization? Well, from a supporter perspective right now, 5.2 million supporters and activists across the country in every state legislative district and congressional district across the country. We have leadership teams in every state. There are over 8,000 people that are essentially full-time or part-time volunteers that are actually in assigned, trained positions across the country. And then as an organization internally, we're to the point, I think we have 54 paid employees, no office space. We office virtually all out of our own homes. This organization is actually run out of my house just north of Austin, Texas. And um, and you're, you were part of the Tea Party movement, and then you broke off from that to, to start this? Yeah, you know, I, I was one of the original founders of the Tea Party movement, helped found Tea Party Patriots, which became the largest Tea Party organization in the nation. And by 2012, I was just frustrated. I felt like everything we had accomplished had been eaten by the swamp, and I was getting ready to get out of politics. And I had a good friend say, can't leave. we got to figure out what to do. And so I stayed in and founded an organization called Citizens for Self-Governance. And then ultimately, the Convention of States Project was born out of that. Now, this is something that I think a lot of people would say, oh, this is crazy. This is a, a wacky idea. This is never going to happen. And it's something that shouldn't be looked as, I don't think, you tell me, it shouldn't be something that anybody should look at as a radical idea. It's, it's in the Constitution. It's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, and you know, I agree with you, and I do hear that. And But it's so funny because it's right there. It's in Article 5 of the Constitution. And the history is important. The way it gets in the Constitution is really interesting. Two days before the end of convention, uh, right there in your state in Philadelphia, you have Colonel George Mason stands up September 15, 1787. They're about to sign the document literally within two days. And he says, we have a terrible problem. We gave power to Congress to propose amendments if they thought it necessary. 
but we didn't give the same power to the people acting through their states. And then he asked, are we so naive that we believe that a federal government that becomes a tyranny will ever propose amendments to restrain their own tyranny? And the answer is obviously no. Madison's notes actually at that point say nincom, which is Latin abbreviation for no comment. There's no debate. Nobody argues with him. And then they insert it and they put it in unanimously in the Constitution. This is the only thing in the Constitution where there was no debate and a unanimous vote. So the founders just knew this is going to be necessary. You guys are going to have to do this sometime in the future. There are a lot of I think there are lots and lots of people out there who walk around thinking that the uh, somebody got together, uh, somebody who already had the United uh, the, the federal government said, I know what we should do. Let's let's uh, break it into a bunch of states. They don't even con- uh, have the concept that the federal government didn't exist until the states allowed it to exist. And so this, again, this, this, this should not be a radical idea to anybody. No, and you're, you're nailing the important concept, which is the states created the federal government, and the founders set it up so that the states would have the power to restrain the federal government because they knew at some point they understood central governments, and they absolutely knew it would get out of control, so they gave the power to the states to control that. And it, how it's been a long time that it's taken to erode to the point where we now have the federal government. And you mentioned education, but the, the, the things that the federal government, uh, the, the, the federal government is involved in that they should have no business even paying attention to. You, you know, it's a long list. Yeah, I would say like just to rattle off some of them: it's education, it's energy, it's healthcare, it's the environment. These are things that were never contained in the enumerated powers. The way we got there is primarily the Supreme Court said that the federal government has power under the Commerce Clause to be engaged in those things. And and I'll give you a little anecdote of how we know they were never supposed to be involved in some of that stuff. Thomas Jefferson founded up the University of Virginia. When he was doing it, he was writing a series of letters with a friend of his, and his friend said, hey, you ought to get federal government money for University of Virginia. And he said, you can't do that. That's unconstitutional. The federal government has no right to be involved in education. And he said it would take an education amendment. Well, we've never had one of those. And yet they spend hundreds of billions on education. So all we're trying to do is return to the founder's vision of what this country was supposed to be. And if someone uh, suggests that the Department of Education should be done away with, and most in many places they're looked upon as absolute total idiots and fanatics and maniacs for even suggesting it. I would argue the opposite. If you believe that the federal government should have a Department of Education, you might want to have your head examined. Hundreds of billions of dollars spent for an exactly 0% increase in test scores, a degradation of our entire system of education. And on, on what grounds does the federal government believe that it can tell people in Pennsylvania how to educate their kids and do a better job of that than people in Pennsylvania? It's really just outrageous, and it is unconstitutional in my opinion. Do you think that people like Nancy Pelosi um, are actually aware of that and and don't care, or are they that stupid that they're not aware that it's something that the federal government should have nothing to do with? I think they're aware of it, and they don't care. And look, this really started the degradation, I would argue, very seriously under the administration of Woodrow Wilson. And this starts literally in the late 1800s, really reaches full speed in the early 1900s. And that's when we start to see this drift away from the Constitution. And, of course, this is the founder of modern progressivism. And so they just hated the Constitution. Wilson spoke out against the Constitution. It it kept him from exercising unfettered power, and he hated that. And I would say that's where people like Nancy Pelosi are today. They have a disdain for the Constitution. They know it's a limiting document, and they don't like it. Do you think they like power, or do they just think they're all so wonderful that they're, they're doing good for everybody? I, I know that's not a, an answer that's a question that's possible to answer, but just in your opinion. You know, I think it depends. I think sometimes when you get people who first go to Congress, people who have different ideologies than, than I might have or you might have, I think they might be going for the right reason. When you're talking about somebody like Nancy Pelosi or somebody who's just been there for 30 years, 40 years, they just like power. They like telling people what to do. They believe that they know better than everybody else. They get rich from being in Congress, yep. so they love that part of having power. So, no, I, I think it's all a big power play, personally. 
Um, what uh, what about groups on the left trying to do the same with this idea? What if a group on the left wanted to have your convention because they wanted to repeal the Second Amendment or the Tenth Amendment? Yeah, I would say more power to them to try. I mean, the methodology is there. Yeah, groups have tried, and none of them have any momentum whatsoever. They're just not able to pull it off because their ideas are not widely popular among the American public. Now, uh, what has the federal government's hysteria over COVID done for your cause? It's, it's gone crazy. It's been very popular and it helped us to be more popular because more and more people are coming under the thumb of the federal government. They're very frustrated by the actions of the federal government and they're looking for a solution and they see that the solutions are not coming from Washington, D.C. and that they're going to have to take matters into their own hands. So what I have about a minute left. What should the people here in Pennsylvania do to make sure that the uh, elected, uh, the people who they elected here in Pennsylvania will uh, long, you know, glom on to this idea. Yeah, go to conventionofstates.com, sign the petition. That'll automatically go to your state senator and your state representative. And then click on the Take Action tab and volunteer. Get involved. Call your legislators. Let them know this is important to you because this is going to be coming up pretty quickly here in Pennsylvania legislature. Conventionofstates.com. And, and how, uh, real quick, how far, uh, how, where are we in Pennsylvania right now with this? Uh, we're just getting ready to introduce in both houses. I think we're going to be doing a caucus meeting in the House here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I just heard from the leader's office that we expect to see it introduced in the Senate here pretty shortly. I expect that we'll be moving full speed within two weeks. Yeah, I'll bet the Democrats are apoplectic at the idea, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Hey, Mark, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, uh, give us the place where people can go one more time. Yep, go to conventionofstates.com, sign the petition, and then click Take Action and Volunteer. Conventionofstates.com. Thanks. I hope we talk again, Mark. Appreciate it. Oh, we will. Thank you. All right, that's Mark Meckler, president of Convention of States Foundation. We'll be right back. Well, smoke them if you got them. Or don't. (laughs) That's what they used to say. Smoke them if you got them. And I don't know about you, but I used to got them, and I, I quit a long time ago as a young guy. But there are lots and lots of people out there trying to quit smoking, and our sponsor here is the are the they're the people who can help you. Uh, really, if you are trying to quit smoking, and it's one of the toughest things there is to do, especially if you've been doing it for a long, long time, you have to go to mynicotinetest.com. This is a different approach. Uh, they do it. It's a science based approach. They do it with a urine test, and then they take the information that they get from the urine test and they customize a program, a treatment program for you that helps you quit without you feeling miserable. And right now you can get a expert, uh, you can get expert tobacco coaching free with your nicotine test purchase. Uh, their experts will guide you with tips and secrets uh, and that'll help you make quitting a reality. It's mynicotinetest.com. By the way, it works with all tobacco products. So it's not just cigarettes and cigars. It includes vaping and smokeless. And if you have questions, call My Nicotine Test at 1-800-45-SMOKE. That's 1-800-45-SMOKE. If you're not a smoker, order a gift card for someone who is who you'd like to see quit smoking. It's MyNicotineTest.com, MyNicotineTest.com. With Joe Biden and the radical Democrats pushing their socialist agenda, Pennsylvania needs to send a conservative fighter to the United States Senate. Carla Sands is a MAGA conservative who served on President Trump's foreign policy and economic teams. With deep roots in central Pennsylvania, Carla Sands shares our conservative values. Carla Sands is a Christian and a pro-life mom who will defend the unborn. Carla Sands is a job-creating businesswoman who will cut our taxes and get Washington off the backs of our small businesses. Carla Sands is a constitutional conservative who will protect our First and Second Amendment rights. And Carla Sands is a law and order conservative who will fight to finish President Trump's wall, crack down on election fraud, and stop Fauci's tyranny. MAGA conservative Carla Sands. She'll put America and Pennsylvania first. I'm Carla Sands, and I approve this message. Paid for by Sands for Senate. Windows are us. You've tried the rest, now try the best. 
When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. With prices set to increase on all exterior products, lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate at windowsarrestpittsburgh.com. Find them at the Pittsburgh Home Show beginning February 4th and the Pittsburgh Remodeling Expo at Heinz Field beginning February 11th. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Okay, so I want to let you know that uh, we will be doing the show remotely tomorrow. Uh, we will be at Pit Cycles in Warrendale, right next to Jurgles. Um, they have uh, a redesigned Triumph showroom that you'll want to see. I'll be doing the show from up there. I'll be there from 3 to 6. Uh, we'll have prizes, things like that. Uh, come on up and see us. And uh, we will. Uh, sh- you'll be able to see some Triumph motorcycles that uh, will be seen for the first time, and uh, you can't see them anywhere else. And if you really like them, you can order one. Uh, they're, I, don't, they're, I believe they're not available right now, but you can find all that out by uh, checking out Pitt Cycles uh, tomorrow. Again, from 3 to 6, it's in Warrendale, next to Jurgles. I'll be there 3 to 6 doing the show. And before I go, I wanted to mention, this is interesting, do you know that at CNN.com they have a page that uh, is dedicated to the allegations of sexual impropriety? And it says, since 2016, dozens of high-profile men have been accused of sexual misconduct, harassment, or assault, sparking the biggest national conversation on this issue since the Anita Hill-Clarence Thomas battle in 1991. And there's a bunch of pictures of people. And guess who's not on here? Don Lemon, (laughs) Chris Cuomo. None of these people are on there. They don't exist. And CNN is the home of sexual issues problems with harassment and whatever i'll talk to you tomorrow at at uh, pit cycle see you then the john staggerwald show is a production of the answer pittsburgh and salem media group three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com salemnow.com